ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 26 of the Fantasy Law Guy podcast and to NFL football. I am Nick Garisco, fantasy football analyst at fantasylawguy.com, fantasy law guy on Instagram and Twitter as well. Football is back. Hakeem dropped the ball! Hakeem dropped the ball! He did what? Playoffs? What do talk about? Playoffs? Who the hell is Mel Kiper? They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. It's my quarterback. What the hell's going on out here? I cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. Can't wait. You like that? You like that? Just keep a trick the ball down the field, boys. I saw, son. I saw. Hello? You play to win the game. Hardly. Sends the Saints to the Super Bowl. It was real and it was spectacular. NFL football returned last night after a long wait, after an offseason of uncertainty of whether we'd even be playing the games. And it was truly a great sight to behold. The product and the quality of play was good. It was not watered down, and all things considered, the game looked totally normal, which is all we can ask for, really, and I was just so excited about it, like a group of seven of my friends met at walk-ons and watched the game side-by-side with the Lakers and Rocket game, and that was just really exciting to be watching sports with friends at a restaurant. It's been months, and I woke up at 5 a.m. sharp before my alarm even went off. And I logged on to Twitter and seeing all the experts in the fantasy community give their takes on the game and checking my own fantasy scores and all my leagues. And we're back. And I normally get up around 6, 6.15, but I just could not go back to sleep this morning. And part of the reason was because I was just excited that football is here and I was anxious to break this game down for you guys. Like I want to be talking about football. We are back. So in today's episode... I thought I'd recap the season opener from a fantasy football perspective, of course, and kind of like a mini show, but there's a lot of awesome takeaways in fantasy football here, so let's get started. The Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs picked up right where they left off, defeating the Houston Texans 34-20 in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Looked at my kingdom, I was finally there to sit on my throne as the Prince of Bel-Air. He was quite fresh. Indeed, 25 carries, 138 yards rushing, and a rushing touchdown. He started the game and looked outstanding as the Chiefs' clear-cut primary ball carrier on early downs. He broke tackles using his strength, low center of gravity. He was shifty enough to evade tackles and even had a breakaway run after a sick juke on his 27-yard touchdown. Overall, it was just a great debut from the rookie and really served to verify what we wanted, and what we expected from him in this situation. The Fresh Prince, he was the Chiefs guy in round one of the NFL draft. I talked about this leading up to this game, and he was coveted by general manager Brett Veach, who made multiple Brian Westbrook comparisons to Edwards Hilaire. He was also coveted by head coach Andy Reid, who hand-selected Edwards Hilaire like he was their guy at the end of round one. And Andy Reid's offenses have supported a top 16 running back in 12 of the last 16 seasons from a fantasy football perspective. And, and even Pat Mahomes. Andy Reid asked Pat Mahomes, he texted him, who he wants in the draft. And Pat Mahomes just replied, quote, Clyde. So we knew that being a running back for Andy Reid with that high draft capital and investment there 
once Damian Williams opted out for the season and just being on this Patrick Mahomes-led prolific Chiefs offense, we knew it was an ideal situation. And I actually had the Fresh Prince as my sixth overall player on my draft board. It doesn't even feel high enough. His ADP was eighth or ninth overall. So I actually had him higher than consensus. So hopefully some of you were able to follow my draft guide and end up with Clyde Edwards-Elair. Likely if you had picks six through nine or maybe pick 10 if he fell that far. And, and I don't want to overreact to one game, especially against the Texans' pitiful defense. But Edwards-Elair looked like a top five fantasy asset last night. And there's arguably a lot of meat left on the bone at both the goal line and in the passing game. Because Edwards-Elair had a whopping six carries inside the five-yard line. And he failed to convert any of those for touchdowns. And there's both positives and negatives about this. On one hand, I thought that Darrell Williams, the bigger and more experienced back, I thought he was going to rotate with Edwards Hilaire. I talked about that in my preview up to this game. And I thought that he was going to play at least 30 snaps. He saw 23 snaps. But considering the shortened offseason and the fact that it was Clyde Edwards Hilaire's debut, I definitely thought that Darrell Williams was going to have more of a role. But he did not. And I also thought that the Chiefs might favor Darrell Williams at the goal line over Edwards Elair just because he's bigger and more experienced. And coaches maybe trust the more experienced player not to fumble the ball. And that was just simply not the case. And the fact that Edwards Elair got the opportunities as the goal line back over Darrell Williams is potentially huge for his fantasy outlook. And although they were just kind of burning out the clock late in the game, I love that Andy Reid seemed like he was actively trying to get Clyde a second score. Look at that. It's beautiful. You gotta love that. I mean, this Chiefs offense will give Clyde an easy shot at double-digit touchdowns if they keep riding him there because the offense is just that good. But on the other hand, even though he was getting hit in the backfield on a lot of those goal line carries and there was really nothing he could do, the fact is that he did not convert the short yardage looks. And a lot of coaches, you know, this may cause some coaches to give the bigger back there, Williams, a shot there. In the coming weeks, Andy Reid seems to be smarter than that. He might, you know, watch the tape and realize that Edwards really had nowhere to run on those plays, especially the ones at the one yard line where, you know, guys like J.J. Watt was just breaking through the backfield and there was nothing really Clyde could do. But this is a situation that I'll be monitoring and I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs give Darrell Williams an opportunity or two at the goal line in the coming weeks just to see if he is a better option there. And secondly, the receiving game, and this was kind of odd here because I did expect Darrell Williams to kind of rotate in with Clyde, but I thought Clyde was going to be the third down back. And we knew that Darrell Williams was going to play some passing downs because the Chiefs have talked about how he's a better pass protector at this point than Edwards Hilaire is. And it makes sense. He's a rookie, shortened offseason, but it appeared that Darrell Williams kind of served as mainly the Chiefs' third down back. Like he was the primary back on third downs which was somewhat unexpected seeing as Clyde's receiving prowess that he showed at LSU. But again, I think the pass protection and I think the shortened offseason, you know, you're talking about a running back Clyde who may not be totally familiarized with all the intricacies of the passing game, the route concepts, the blocking, etc. And Clyde did drop one of his two targets in the passing game. And that definitely caps his ceiling in PPR formats if Darrell Williams is going to be the primary third down back or obvious passing down back for this Chiefs offense. But I do think Clyde's role in the passing game will grow as the season progresses. I'm less concerned about that, and I'm more concerned about his goal line usage. But overall, 
Williams played less than I expected, and this was a huge win for the Clyde drafters out of the gate. And he was the featured back in a Pat Mahomes-led offense whose coach looks like he wants him to thrive. And he got the goal line work, all of it, and he is capable in the passing game. So room for upside, room for growth there. So again, I'm trying not to overreact because it was a nationally televised game. So there's going to be an obvious you know, national bias there. And it's week one, so there's a recency bias here. And I do think that the Texans defense is one of the worst defensive units in the NFL. I said that before the game, and they looked like it on Thursday night. But we could be looking at a top five season from the Fresh Prince. And Darrell Williams, seven carries, 23 yards, no scores, two catches, seven yards. At this point, probably droppable in 10-team formats. You can hold him in 12-teamers, but he looks like more of a valuable handcuff at this point. I don't think we're getting standalone value from Darrell Williams unless something happens to Clyde Edwards-Elaire. So the Chiefs passing game, newsflash, it is still quite good. Shocking, I know. Pat Mahomes looked very sharp, completing 24-32 passes for 211 passing yards and three touchdowns. The yardage was low because of game flow. The Texans were simply not competitive in this ballgame. The Chiefs only attempted 11 passes in the second half because Houston just could not keep up. And Mahomes did throw a beautiful 35-yard touchdown, or maybe it was even longer, it might have been 40 yards, to an open Demarcus Robinson that landed, the ball landed right in his hands in the end zone, but a defender jarred it loose as he went to the ground. And after it looked like he secured it. This was early in the game, I think it was the first or second possession of the game, and so that was one missed opportunity. And also, Demarcus Robinson dropped another short touchdown later in the second quarter, And Mahomes ended up with about 20 fantasy points, but it easily he easily could have had four or five touchdowns in this game rather than his three. So all systems go. Mahomes' favorite target, at least in the first half, was Travis Kelsey, who came out hot. And most of his receiving line, the six catches, 50 yards, and a touchdown on only six targets. So every time he was thrown to, it was caught. Most of that receiving line, if not all of it, actually came in the first half. And he was Mahomes' preferred target in that half. And he looked healthy. And he would have had a bigger game if not for game script. But 17 PPR points, you are happy with that if you drafted Travis Kelsey in round two. That's a strong game for a tight end. And that should give you an advantage at a weak tight end position. So Travis Kelsey was as advertised. Tyreek Hill, not quite so much. He looked a little off. Five catches, 46 yards, and a touch. He battled a hamstring injury earlier in camp. I'm not really sure he was 100% in this game. It really didn't look like it. And the Chiefs play calling seemed to indicate that as well. The Chiefs really didn't dial up any deep shots to Tyreek Hill. And honestly, he was a little fortunate in this game. The Chiefs were up 10, I think, in the fourth quarter when Tyreek Hill scored from one or two yards out. And that touchdown kind of saved his fantasy day. Otherwise, quiet night for Tyreek Hill. Good riddance. I almost got burned. And the Chiefs' leading receiver was actually Sammy Watkins. Seven catches, 82 yards, and a touchdown on a team-high nine targets. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill only had six targets apiece. Watkins had a good game. He looked good. But I'll remind everyone that he also looked very good in week one of last season against the Jacksonville Jaguars when he scored three touchdowns and had 170 yards and before failing to score for the rest of the entire season, despite Tyreek Hill missing five or six games. So Watkins can do this. He's a talented player still, and he plays, obviously, with a great quarterback on a great offense. And I think Watkins definitely should be rostered in 12-team formats. 
it looks like he's going to hold on to this number two wide receiver job for the foreseeable future. And that will make him a value in drafts and a flex option weekly. Although admittedly, you did not pick Sammy Watkins if you followed my draft guide. But he does have a great opportunity as Mahomes' number two receiver. And we'll see if this sticks. I'm not too, too confident that it will stick. I think this will be one of his better games of the season. And I think he benefited from the Texans only having one good cornerback in Bradley Roby. And Roby was mainly focused on covering Tyreek Hill. And he did a good job of it. So popular sleeper, McCall Hardman, was a disappointment. One catch, six yards, only one target. It's quiet. Too quiet. But that actually wasn't even the main issue. We knew when we drafted McCall Hartman that it was going to be the slow game. Like, I advise not to be playing McCall Hartman in this game despite the pitiful Texans defense because we knew that over time the goal is that he overtakes Sammy Watkins, that he overtakes Demarcus Robinson. But out of the gate, it really wasn't going to be the case. However, we were hoping for more than this. Like in terms of a usage standpoint, in terms of a snap count standpoint, the main issue is that Demarcus Robinson was the clear-cut number three receiver. And Robinson had three catches for 20 yards on six targets. And I also mentioned, of course, that he dropped two touchdowns. But McCole Hardman, only one target, as I said. And he was operating as the clear wide receiver four for this offense that also has Travis Kelsey as well at tight end. So that's just not going to get it done. I figured Hardman would start slowly. But I was disappointed with his snap count and usage. According to Ian Hartitz of ProFootballFocus.com, and they're tracking the snap counts here, Hardman played only 28% of the Chiefs' snaps. I think he only played 20 snaps last night. And I think that Hardman is going to need an injury to Tyree Kill or Sammy Watkins to be valuable in fantasy football. He's going to have some spiked weeks where he catches a bomb touchdown on occasion because of his speed. But I think that he is droppable for a hot waiver wire ad this week. If you have the ability to ride it out, then you can go for it. I only have Hardman on one of my seven main teams, and I'm likely going to be letting him go. But again, Hardman was, you're gonna, supposed to be patient with him. I wouldn't be freaking out. But again, it's just kind of a reminder that he, that he is going to need some breaks to happen for him in order to really pay off there. And if you are in a 12-team league and you see a hot waiver wire ad and you want to let Hardman go, you do so at your own risk, knowing that he could blow up if the right things go his way. But I'm okay with letting him go in 12-team leagues for somebody who's valuable on the waiver wire after week one, which I'm sure there will be plenty of people who surprise. Lastly, the Chiefs defense, they played better than I expected them to. They weren't great, but they were pretty good up until garbage time, basically. And they had an interception. They had a couple sacks on Deshaun Watson. I think that they're good enough to hold and use for the Chargers next week. They play the Los Angeles Chargers next week with Terod Taylor. So good enough to hold if you kept them and usable if they're in free agency for that matchup if you want to stream them next week. Harrison Buttkicker had a garbage time field goal, if that's a thing, to score 10 points. That's what we want if we drafted Harrison Buttkicker, and I did in several leagues. Okay, let's move on to the Texans side here. In my matchup preview, I predicted that Deshaun Watson's output was going to be based primarily on game flow. The negative game script would make him an attractive play because he would likely be trailing in the second half and he has been fantasy gold historically when he's trailing. That's exactly what happened. He's just such a fantastic garbage time quarterback because of his mobility and because he's also just a really good quarterback. So when defenses kind of play prevent and just let him have the underneath stuff, Watson usually thrives there. And I think we can get used to it here because the Texans defense was as bad as advertised. And Watson had a rough night 
until two touchdowns in the fourth quarter while the Chiefs were in prevent. He had ended with 253 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception, and he had a 6-for-27 and one score rushing line. And he actually outscored Pat Mahomes by like a couple fractions of a point in this game, thanks to the game flow, I think. But it looked like he was missing DeAndre Hopkins. And the Texans' O-line did a much better job run blocking than they did in pass protection. And the fantasy total is really all that matters here. I think Watson drafters are relatively content with this outing. And I think there will, it will be similar to a lot of games this season for Watson, where he has a strong second half in games. And this will be how he kind of scores you the majority of his fantasy points. So moving on from Watson, his pass catchers. Here it is, my boy, Will Fuller. 10 targets, 8 catches, 112 yards. Great first game from Fuller. I was very happy with it. I think Fuller, if he can stay healthy, is going to have a huge season, as you know. And he's on like every single one of my teams except for one. And the game script definitely helped Will Fuller. And the Texans were trailing big throughout the second half, as I've mentioned. And that's when most of Fuller's production occurred. But Fuller was clearly, clearly Watson's primary target here. 10 targets doubled the next highest receiver. Brandon Cooks had five targets, and that was next highest. And Will Fuller, he could have had a bigger night. Honestly, he dropped a pass in the first quarter on like the second play of the game where I was just like, oh gosh, it's going to be a long season, isn't it? But that, that play would have gone for 20 yards right there. And Watson also underthrew Will Fuller in the fourth quarter on a play where Fuller got behind the defense. And Watson, put the had he put the pass on the money, he did not. It was underthrown. But had he done that, it probably would have been a 50-yard touchdown. And instead, Will Fuller had to come back to the ball and kind of make a contested catch over a defender. So the opportunity was there for Fuller to have a huge night rather than just a really good one. He could have had a 10-catch, 150-yard in touchdown game had those two plays that I mentioned worked out. And according to Grant Barfield, Will Fuller's 32% target share, that was massive. And according to John Daigle of Roto World, Fuller's 46.7% of the Texans' air yards was by far the most on the team. And those are huge numbers in terms of target share and air yards. And it's exactly what you want from a usage standpoint. So great situation for Will Fuller. That makes me smile. And Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb were predictably unproductive. Brandon Cooks, two catches, 20 yards on five targets. Cooks did not look like a full-time player. He played about 55% of the snaps. And this was, to be expected, him kind of dealing with that quad injury. He was a game-time decision going up to this game. So, yeah, Brandon Cooks, not really trustworthy right now until he can show that he's at full health and is going to be utilized more in this offense. Randall Cobb, similarly unproductive. Three targets, two catches, I think 23 scoreless yards. Cobb was just not used at all, like totally invisible. It's like the Texans forgot they even signed him until like the last two possessions of this game, until straight up garbage time. He was invisible for the first 55 minutes of this contest, so not good for Randall Cobb. And the hope was that Randall Cobb could be kind of a PPR asset, like kind of some bench filler where... He could produce some like, you know, seven catch for 55 yards games, and that'll be 12 fantasy points in PPR formats. Cobb just was not a part of this offense. I would have a tough time rostering Brandon Cooks or Randall Cobb in 12-team formats until they really show something, to be honest. Uh, But you don't have to worry about that if you followed my draft guide because you do not have either of those players if you did. Jordan Atkins, tight end, he scored on a sweet 
touchdown on a post route, two catches, 39 yards, and obviously in the touchdown. And training camp beat writers have been talking about Watson's connection with Jordan Atkins, particularly in the red zone. And it came to fruition last night, but he split the work kind of with Darren Fells. Darren Fells also had two targets. So there's nothing to see here yet. But if something were to happen to Fells, I could see Atkins being you know, valuable to where you should pick him up in fantasy football. Atkins did play 48 snaps compared to Fells 26 for what it's worth. So Atkins is kind of a name to keep an eye on for deeper formats for now. It seems like Watkins really likes him in the red zone. Uh, but moving on to a huge story in this game, and that is David Johnson. David Johnson looked healthy. He looked incredible, honestly, which brought tears of joy to my eyes. Not really quite that far, but I was very thrilled with this game. I had a very aggressive stance on DJ. As you know, I ranked him higher than any website, than any expert that I saw out there. So I'm just pumped that he looks healthy. 11 carries, 77 yards on the ground, and a nice touchdown where he made a jump cut outside and beat a defender to the pylon in the first quarter. He also had four targets, three catches, and 32 receiving yards in the passing game. So I was excited about the usage there. According to Ian Hartitz, DJ played 80% of the Texan snap. Duke Johnson played 25% of the snaps. There were a few plays where they were on the field together at the same time. Duke Johnson only had five touches for 14 yards. And I mentioned in my preview episode that my hope was that DJ, David Johnson, would get 70% of the snaps and the workload. So this is even better than that. I was even a tad worried that the game flow would prevent David Johnson from having like a huge game. Because I thought that Duke Johnson may be subbed in on obvious passing downs because that's Duke's kind of specialty. But it turns out that Bill O'Brien used David Johnson as his bell cow back. David Johnson also a very good receiver out of the backfield. And that's exactly what I wanted to see. Like it's only one game, but DJ looks like he's going to be a tremendous value if you did follow my draft guide and you did pick him late in round three or in round four. And that was kind of considered a reach for David Johnson, right? His ADP was 45th overall, and I had him slotted at 24th overall on my draft board, which was a very, very aggressive stance, and hence all the excitement by me here. Uh, But keep in mind, however, that DJ does play Baltimore and Pittsburgh in his next two games, so that is very suboptimal. He's going to need to continue to be used in the passing game to keep up legit RB2 status. Lastly, Kaimi Fairbairn, Texans kicker, he missed a kick, only at two points. He was drafted in a ton of leagues, and I did advise not to use him because of game flow in this game. So this was one kicker play that was, in fact, predictable. I think the Baltimore and Pittsburgh matchups coming up, I think with them you can safely drop Fairbairn if you ignored me and hadn't already. Okay, so that is the recap. Stock up for Fresh Prince, David Johnson, Will Fuller, and Sammy Watkins stocked down for the Texans wide receivers not named Will Fuller. And some low concern, very, very mild concern for Tyreek Hill. Hoping that he's 100% healthy sooner than later. And Travis Kelsey, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, they all kind of played as expected. The game kind of went pretty much as expected, I would say. Not a lot of huge surprises, although we just love to see my confirmed takes on David Johnson and Will Fuller. And we also love to see Clyde Edwards-Elair be even better than advertised. And that is it for the day. I'll be doing a week one matchups podcast. I'm writing it up today, going through the games, writing some notes down, and I'll be recording and posting probably tomorrow 
That is on, that is Saturday. So send me your lineup questions ASAP, and I will try to answer them in the mashup podcast as I go through the games. So yeah, send me those lineup questions. Starts, sits, I'll cover all that type of, type of stuff next episode. All right, that'll conclude today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button if you enjoyed today's pod. Write, write up a favorable review. Give me a favorable rating. That kind of stuff really helps a young podcast grow. I appreciate your continued support. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.